her inner monologue, maybe because I've heard similar rants from others, or maybe because I've heard the echoes in my own mind. All these guests at mealtime, no less, and where is Mary? Certainly not in the kitchen. No, she's in the other room with the men, hanging out, relaxing and laughing. Who's left to do all the work? That's right, dependable old Martha, the reliable, trustworthy kitchen wench. It's just not right. Jesus ought to do something about this. Jesus will do something about this. He's about fairness and equality. So Martha works up the courage to leave the kitchen and interrupts Jesus in the living room. Lord, tell Mary to help me. Jesus' response was puzzling and unexpected. Martha, you're upset and worried about many things, but only one thing is really important. Mary has made a better choice than you. I will not take it from her. Martha wants to storm back into the kitchen, but the wind has been temporarily lost from her sails. She goes back to the kitchen slowly, the wind gaining strength with every step. The grumble monologue resumes. What has Mary chosen that I haven't? Laziness? Certainly not responsibility. And then it starts to dawn on her, and the tears come. Martha, though you're faithful, dutiful service is appreciated. That's not why I came. I came to be with you, not to share your food. I came to fellowship because I love you, not because your house is clean. It's not about you or your service. It's about our relationship. Mary chose our relationship over duty. I will not take that from her. Will you make the same choice? That is my invitation to you. Repent of your self-serving duty and self-righteous sacrifice and come be with me. You may still serve, but with a different motivation and outlook. Martha, I love you. Come, be with me. Thank you, Lisa. As we continue in our studies in the book of Luke, that little conversation rings this morning. And um, it's in a, a little sermon in itself. So let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 10 and we continue our studies in verses 38 to 42. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve, to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. I don't know if you've been sucked up into the lie that's around. Busy is good. You've been sucked into that lie? Even in our corporate situations, when management visits, what do they say? Look busy. I know, I used to be in corporate. But what's Jesus' perspective on our busy lives? Yes, even the good things we tend to do when we're busy. Let's have a look at this passage and there's a principle 
that we can apply to our lives if we find it here. This is 38 to 39. We have serenity in the little village. Jesus passes through this village of Bethany. We know it's Bethany because when you turn to John chapter 11, it describes where these sisters are living, Mary, Martha and their brother Lazarus. This is before Lazarus died, by the way. And Jesus is going where? Remember? We need to remember the bigger picture here. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem now. And you know what's going to happen in Jerusalem. We've got the benefit of hindsight. Jesus is going to get crucified there for all mankind who would come to him. But he's on his way to Jerusalem. And here he passes through this little village of Bethany. And he goes to visit these two sisters. Now we're not told if he'd been there before but we are told that he loved them. He had a close relationship with them. If you look ahead again to John chapter 11, verse 5, Jesus loved this family of three, two sisters and their brother. And it's fair to say the sisters both loved Jesus too. Again, John chapter 11. And they believed in him. They believed that he was the Messiah. If they were living today, we'd say they were Christians, right? They loved him. Well, let's look at these two sisters. Interesting, and those of you who've got sisters, you'll know how you can differ. Martha, she's the extrovert. She was the practical one. She was the hostess in the family. And we see that she was the one who welcomed Jesus and his disciples into their home. And immediately she starts serving the Lord. She was the energy bunny in the family. And she was also the one who spoke her mind. If it was on her mind, she'd say it. I don't know if you like that. She was generally the one who took initiative. And if you look again in the book of John, she's the one who runs out to Jesus. She's the one who welcomes him. She's the one who asks the questions. So she's the extrovert. But something was missing in her life. And Jesus was going to put his finger on it in this instance. Now, let's go to Mary. What was Mary like? Well, she was the quieter one. She was the contemplative one. She was the one who later anointed Jesus' feet with expensive perfume, which would have been 300 denarii worth, which was nearly a year's wages. She just poured out on Jesus' feet in worship of the Lord. While Martha was again serving dinner. That happened later, John chapter 12. And it seems in this instance that Mary had been helping Martha, but when Jesus came, she left her tasks in the kitchen and wherever she was busy, and she went to sit at Jesus' feet. And that term in the New Testament was, she sat in the position of a disciple. She wanted to learn from Jesus while he was in their home. She wanted to worship him. It's very rare that we find women sitting at the feet of any teacher. And here was Mary in this position, wanting to hear from Jesus while he's in their home. And so there's the home, Martha serving, running frantically around, and Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. Domestic bliss. But, it doesn't stay that way. Just imagine if the Messiah came to your home this afternoon. No? Okay. Queen of England? Alright, let's stick with the Messiah. The Messiah. God's representative to earth. Think about it. He's coming to your home. And you're going to look after him. What would you do? Well, I guess 
the first term that comes to mind is be busy. Be busy. Because you've got to look after him, right? And it's a good priority to have. Look after the Messiah in your home. And so, usually, it starts with food. I'm going to serve him a fantastic meal. And it started off as a very good motivation. But unfortunately, Martha's attitude changed. Yes, she was serving the Messiah and serving him this meal or getting it ready, but her attitude changed, and it changed in two ways. And take note of this, because your and my attitudes aren't too dissimilar. Firstly, she became distracted. And the, the literal translation here is she became drawn about. She was pulled this way and that way. And those of you who have been busy, you know what that feels like, right? I've got this to do, that to do, and you don't quite know where to start. She became distracted, drawn about by the self-imposed task. I must make him a big meal, because if I don't, it will reflect badly on me as a hostess. In modern terms, how am I going to be able to take care of all the details, the appetizers, the salad, the meat, the vegetables, the relishes, all the drinks, the dessert, arranging the guests at the table, 15 people suddenly in my home. And so she became drawn about, distracted by the task. The second thing that happened to her was in her serving, she started looking over the fence. She started performing this worthwhile task, but then she started becoming concerned about what her sister was doing or not doing. You know what it's like. You start serving in the kitchen and then someone kind of tootles off wherever they go and you're left with a task, right? Come on, who hasn't been there? And so she starts looking across the fence. I'm working hard, but Mary. And you see what starts is just looking across the fence at her sister starts building up into something else. It starts building up into resentment. You might have experienced this. It might be at your place of employment. You know you give your heart and soul to your work and you know the person next to you doesn't, yet you get paid the same. And sometimes you look across the fence and you think, why do I work this hard? And what starts happening in your heart? Resentment starts to build. Or maybe you're at home. You you slog your heart out for your family and and they come home and it's all just disrupted again. And you have to kind of start all over again. And you think, Come on, I work hard for you people. Don't you see it? And resentment starts to build. Or maybe it's a worthy thing like working here at this church. We have a working bee and so you start working and maybe you're working in the kitchen or outside carrying poles or, I don't know, mowing the lawn. And you start looking around and thinking, but those guys aren't working hard. They're having a great old chat in the kitchen while they're cleaning things. And here I am slogging about with this lawnmower or the edge cutter. I'm working hard and resentment starts to build I'll give you a little insight into my heart sometimes. As a pastor, you might not have known this, spiritual resentment starts to build in me sometimes too. You see, I slog a week out here and others who prepare messages, and what happens on a Sunday? People flit off and do all kinds of other things. And here we've prepared a meal, and we're the people. And what happens in my heart? Resentment starts to build. And Martha, the same thing happens. She builds up this resentment And it bursts out, as it does, into irritability. And this is the way it comes out. Lord, wow, this is the Messiah in her home, right? 
Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do all the work? Can you see her storming out there? If she had a roller in her apron tucked in there, she'd be storming out with her hands like this, right? Lord, and that, roll, that pin would be out here. Don't you care that my sister is leaving me to do all this work by myself? Tell her to get a grip and to come and help me, Lord. So what's she doing here? You see her? She's exasperated. She's finding fault with Mary, but also with Jesus. She's allowing her expectations to be imposed on Mary and the Messiah of all the earth. Sassy girl. Here's a comment, by the way, and this is in brackets. Paul did it. I can do it. If serving Christ makes you difficult to live with, then something is terribly wrong with your service. Note to self. You see, it's so true. If serving Christ makes you difficult to work with, something is wrong with your service. You need to find it. And Jesus is going to point to what it will be, because it doesn't change. You see, Jesus responds to her, verses 41 to 42. What does he say? Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset by many things. Now, please excuse the New Zealand colloquial. You're getting your knickers in a twist, Martha. It's what we'd say, wouldn't it be? Martha. Now, he wouldn't have said it, Martha, Martha. He wouldn't have said it in that authoritative tone, would he? He would have said it in a, get his arm around her, Martha, Martha. You are worried about many things. You see... In a way, his response is a bit ungracious. It seems like to be ungracious in a way because Martha is slogging her lungs out and here is Mary just sitting. So it seems a bit ungracious of the Lord, but he's going to point out what the problem is, you see. There's definite disapproval here of what Martha's doing, but also tender affection for her. And he shows a grave concern. This one who can read her soul sees that Martha is inwardly worried, but she's outwardly upset. She's brought this on herself, right? The Messiah's in your home. And so, look after Jesus well. Yes, it's a good motivation, but she wasn't doing it with the right heart anymore. She was serving with her hands, but not her heart. Do you see? Jesus says, Martha, you are worried and upset by many things, but only one thing is necessary, Martha. Only one thing is necessary. What's his point? His point is there's good and there's better, Martha. Yes, it's good to serve me. Yes, it's good to make me a beautiful meal and thank you for that. But there is better, Martha. There's better. You see, I want wholehearted devotion and I want adoration and I want worship, Martha. And food is good, but there's something better. I'd rather have a heart that is worshipping me while you are serving. Food will pass away, but worship is eternal, Martha. This could have been simpler, couldn't it, Martha? And then he carries on, he says, Mary has chosen the good part. And what he's showing her is, in a way, Mary has more spiritual maturity. And yes, while I'm with you, she has chosen to sit at my feet and you've chosen to give me a meal She has chosen to be my disciple. She has chosen to worship me. And there is no bigger priority, Martha. 
And yes, Martha, she's not as practical as you. And if it was up to me, we'd probably starve and we'd be less comfortable. But she has a heart of worship. And that's what I want. You see the point? And Martha, I would like to spend time with you too if you just stop running around. And Martha, come be with me. That's why I came to your home. We could have met at the Palestinian Wimpy or something. But I chose to come to your home, Martha. I wanted to spend time with you. And here you are, a blur. I'd like to spend time with you. I love you, Martha. First things first. Spend time with me. What's the application for today? Can you see it already? Worship of God should be our main priority. And everything else we do should supplement that goal. Ah, I can already hear you saying that. Aha! So that means less responsibility on me, right? It means I hardly need to bother with hospitality now. People can just come to my house and it will just be as it is. Well... Can I become slack now? Is that what it's saying? I need to worship the God? Or maybe the other extreme, maybe I need to become a religious hermit. I need to go and put myself somewhere where no one can bother me, not my kids, not my husband, not my wife, no one. And I can just worship the Lord. I can get into the lotus position and mm, all the day long. Is that it? Is that what the passage is saying? Do you see the two extremes? Slack or over the top? No. What is... Jesus saying here. He's saying, worship God first. Worship God first in whatever you do. Whether it's in your home, while you're serving your family, worship Him first with your heart and then your actions. When I used to fly, they used to say, you need to stay with your mind ahead of where the plane is. Otherwise, it will catch up with you. You see, we need to worship with our hearts and then the task comes in. Worship God first. Worship Him at your place of employment. Worship Him first and then do your employment. Worship God first in your service for this church at a working bee. Worship Him with your heart and then with your hands. And as a pastor, the Lord says to me this week, Worship me first. Prepare the meal for me in your heart first, says the Lord. I am your congregation of one. Work for me with your heart. Serve God with your heart first. You see, when you and I have our focus on the Lord first, then whatever we do is part of my worship of Him. Do you see that? When I worship the Lord, whatever I do is then part of my worship of Him. But as soon as I take my eyes off Him, and as soon as I put my eyes on the task at hand, the task becomes what? All-absorbing. It starts to take in. And I start getting drawn about like Martha. And my human weaknesses soon start to surface. That impatience, that bitterness, that resentment, that anger. You know what I'm talking about. But the Lord says to you and I this morning, only one thing is necessary in all your work for me. There is good and then there's better. Make me number one in everything. And then you'll have and you'll keep a godly perspective on whatever you do for me. I'm pleased to report that this account ends well. The Lord doesn't leave Martha there in her state. We find Martha later in two other instances 
serving the Lord. And what is she doing? Is she sitting at his feet? No, but she seems to be serving with joy. She's again got the disciples at their home, and you'll find that in the Gospel of John. And we find Mary again worshipping the Lord, and that's where she anoints his feet. But you know, from the same Martha who was being pulled about and being harassed by her own work, we find two of the most profound professions of faith coming from the same woman, Martha. And I want to read them to you. John chapter 11, verse 21 to 22. Turn with me there if you'd like. John chapter 11, verse 21 to 22. This is the same Martha, the runaround energy bunny. This is her. She's recovered. And this is what she says. And look at the insight she has. And this is when her brother had died, right? So she was again stressed. Let me just find my verse here, verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, she's again speaking her mind, right? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, there's a little bit of accusation in there. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Look at that. That's quickly balanced out. And I'm sure she's forgiven. Lord, whatever you ask, God will give you. In other words, I have faith in you, Lord. You are my Messiah. What a statement of faith. Now, just glance down to verse 26 and 27. The same woman speaking. Jesus said to her, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Now, this was in the context of Lazarus, right? And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Martha, do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christos, the Messiah, the sent one, the Son of God who is coming into the world. You are that one, I believe. What a statement of faith from this very same Martha. And in the end, God is glorified. She'd learned her lesson. Well, that's Mary and Martha. Now it's you and I, right? Because God put this here for us today. This is the passage He wants us to learn for from. So what is the principle that we need to learn from here. I've got two for you this morning, you'll be glad to know. Two. Here they go. Choose what you would do with Jesus. Choose what you would do with Jesus. Would you serve Him, or would you serve your service to Him? You see, in other words, don't lose your first love. Don't forget what it's about. This life is about Jesus Christ, if you are a believer. Don't lose your first love. You see, the Lord spoke to the Ephesian church in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 to 7. He said, you've done many good things for me, you as a church, but one thing I have against you, you've lost your first love. You've been serving, but not with your hearts. Don't lose your first love. You see, what we do with Christ, is far more important than what we do for Christ. I'm going to repeat that. What we do with Christ in our lives is much, much more important than what we do for Him. Do you get the difference? 
The most important part of our lives is the part that only God sees. And He wants to see in you and I a heart of worship. Our actions will soon die away into insignificance. But a heart of worship stands forever. Because it's an eternal thing, you see. So what will you do with Jesus in your service? The second lesson we have is this one. And it's fairly closely related. What distracts you and I from a personal sitting at the feet of Jesus every day? What distracts you and I from a time of spending with the Lord and building our relationship with Him? You see, here's the truth. And listen openly to this. Don't be so busy in the service of the King that you have no time for the King. Have you heard that? I'm repeating lots today, but I know this has been repeated to me this week over and over. Don't be so busy in the service of the King that you've got no time for that King in your life. Do you see? We get so busy in our lives. Our employers want more. Our families demand more. The church demands more that we have no more time for the King in our service of Him. What distracts you from sitting at the feet of the King? And yes, it may be good things. Your family, they're good. Your business, that could be good stuff you're doing. Your daily program, it could all be good stuff. You're running around looking after your kids. Your household affairs, you've got to have a clean home. You want to look after your family properly. Good things. But there might be other things this distracting you. How much time do you spend on e-time? It's a modern thing now. Do you ever look down from your phone? Oh, sorry, up from your phone. Do you ever look up from your phone? You see, we are so connected now that we are disconnecting the king. How much time do you spend in your social time? Doing whatever you do. Fishing is good, but we can overdo it. Golf, good, we can overdo it. You see, often when things get busy, the first thing to go is what? Time with the Lord. I know. Here's a question for you. If Jesus were to manage your life and mine, what would he take out to have more time for him? Think quickly. Let the Holy Spirit do His work in you now as you sit here. If Jesus were to manage your life, what would He take out of your life so that there would be more time for Him? What is it? There will be one thing or two things that are coming up in your mind. What is it? We need to allow the Lord to do His surgery in us. Now here's the truth. He is in your life. So are we going to allow those obstacles to remain there? Are you perhaps spending excessive time on unnecessary distractions? Maybe it's a little less time in front of the television. Maybe it's a little less time on the internet. Maybe it's a little less time socialising. Maybe it's a little less time being busy. I want to give you some practical solutions in case you are still in doubt. Here's the first one. Personal discipline. Personal discipline. Maybe you should get up earlier. You see, some of us lie in that bed to the point of laziness. And I'm saying this, I know it's hard and I'll probably get stoned afterwards. But some of us need to get up earlier. But listen to me, I'm not saying 
that you need to get up earlier and earlier and earlier and after a while you're up like my rooster at 1 a.m. Alright? You know what happens to the rooster? No, sometimes the solution isn't to get busier by getting up earlier. But sometimes we need to hear that message that maybe I need to get up earlier so I've got time with the Lord. You see, early in the morning is really good time. It's uninterrupted because the, don't, the kids don't necessarily always, unless they're real small, get up earlier than you. And so it's uninterrupted time. No one's woken up yet to phone you about anything. Spend time with the Lord. Choose this day whom you will serve. Whether it's your busyness, or the Lord. Choose. You see, there are priorities, says Jesus. There is better and there's best. Choose those things which have greatest eternal significance. And those little sleep wrinkles under your eyes have no eternal significance. They will be vanquished when you get your new body. So don't worry about them. But in the meantime, serve the Lord with things that are eternally significant. And if Significance, And if it means getting up earlier, then do that. To spend time with the Lord of the universe. He loves you. He wants that time. Remember those famous words from that famous missionary pilot? One of my personal heroes. Only one life it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Your busyness will fade away with you when your eyes close in death. But will the world be better because you've been involved in eternal business for the King. You see, the question is this. Is there something I need to cut free from my life? And it's a hard one to ask. And the Holy Spirit has to point that out in your life. And yes, they might even be good things. But set apart your time for those things that the Lord, through His Word, tells you to do first in your life. Worship Him. Gather together with the saints. Worship Him. Spend time with Him in the mornings or in the evenings, but spend time with the Lord. Do those things which He tells you to do. Memorize His Word. Read His Word. Spend time in His Word so that it will infiltrate the whole of your heart, your life. But cut free anything else that you don't need in your life. Those of you who know sailing, they've got that big sail at the front of the, of the yacht and it can really give you good speed. But if that sail starts getting wrapped around the boat because you've misguided that boat or the wind has changed, it becomes the biggest obstacle to that yacht too. Cut free in your life that which isn't giving you spiritual speed. And maybe you and I need to learn to also be happier with things that are less than perfect. You know, some of us are perfectionists and it has to be just right, otherwise it's no good. I mustn't ever give personal things here, but I had a daughter like that. She's not here, so you can work out for yourself. It had to be perfect or it wasn't right. Sometimes we need to settle for less than perfect. For the sake of service of the Lord. Time with the Lord. Time with the people of the Lord. You see, the question is this. Are you worshipping Christ daily, sitting at His feet, as His disciple sitting in His Word, in relationship with Jesus Christ, being led by the Spirit, because it will influence everything you do. And if you don't spend that time with the Lord, if you aren't in that close relationship with the Lord, if you aren't sitting at His feet, 
then the cares, the stresses of this world will quickly start to affect your soul. They will. You will start seeing those things. J.C. Ryle, famous dead guy, said this, A little earth upon the fire within us will soon make that fire burn low. You see, when we allow too much of the earth and the worries of the earth to come into our souls and to settle on our souls, our souls soon lose that fire that should be there. How much of the earth is in you? The worries of and cares and stresses of this world, how much of those are sitting on your soul? You need to spend time with the Lord. First thing first, I want to leave you with two verses from Scripture. Mark chapter 12, and we're going to put them up here for you. Here's the first one. We looked at it last week. Guess what the Lord's saying to us? You shall love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, Jesus adds in Mark. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Those are our priorities. We need to spend all our energies, all our strength, all our attention on these things. They are the priorities for you and I as believers today. Anything else? Cut loose. And the second verse is this one. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and He will give you everything you need. I haven't said this. God has told us this through His Word. It's a promise to you and I. If we put His kingdom first above all else and we live righteously before Him according to the principles of His Word, then He will give us everything we need. We do not have to stress and worry about it. He will provide our needs. Do you believe Him? And if Jesus came and stood here and said, do you believe this this morning? What would your response be? Yes, Lord, or yes, but, Lord. I pray that the Spirit will do His work in us. And that we will be disciples of the Lord, those who sit at His feet daily, spend time with Him, and He will love us. And we will see the differences in our lives. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank You for this passage which comes at such an opportune time in our lives because our lives seem to be taken over by everything except the good things. And Lord, help us to prioritize. Help us to put You first. Help us to not lose our first love so that we will be able to spend time daily with You, communing with You through Your Spirit so that we will be energized for the task that You have for every single one of us as we go out into this community you've put us into. Lord, may we not be so busy about your work that we have no time for you. Save us from our busyness, we pray. Amen.